Okay, hey there, whiskey noobs. I'm your host, Chris Chapinar, and I am calling this episode How Whiskey Gets Its Flavor. Now, I was typing up the script or the bullet points that I wanted to cover in this episode, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, there is a ton of information here. So I'm going to try to keep it to a reasonable time, and I think this is going to end up being mostly uh, wide brush strokes as to all the different things that can affect a whiskey's flavor. Uh, that way we can later on, if we have specific episodes about each of these elements, uh, there will be you know plenty of time to go through and talk about all of the little intricacies of each of these little things that can change the flavor. Uh, but this episode is meant to mostly go over all of the things that can impact a whiskey's flavor. And we got a little taste of that when we went through each of the individual types of whiskey. Uh, if you've been around uh, for a while, those were the episodes probably uh, 1 through 15, something like that. And we got a little taste of it, of all the different things that affect all the different types of whiskey. But today we are going to go through, in general, no specific type of whiskey, just in general, all of the things that can affect a whiskey's flavor. Uh, before we get started, I want to say happy dry January, because I'm not doing a whiskey review in this episode. I'm not doing a mini review or a mystery review. Um, so it is dry January for those of you who are participating, meaning I will not be drinking this January. And so for that reason, I'm actually drinking a Dr. Pepper cream soda uh, diet. I drink a lot of diet pop. I don't know if that's good or bad. You can hear a lot about both ends online, but uh, I love cream soda and Dr. Pepper came out with a Dr. Pepper cream soda. If you don't know that already, I think it's pretty good. Actually, I, I like it. It gives you a little bit of both worlds, you know, a little bit of the Dr. Pepper and a little bit of the cream soda, but I'm a big cream soda drinker. Uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to have that on the podcast since I can't have whiskey. Uh, also, for those of you who have been listening and know that I did have COVID, today's the last day of quarantine for anyone who cares to hear about that. So I'm excited to be done with that and we can get some guests on the show hopefully here pretty soon. But without further ado, I want to talk about how whiskey gets its flavor. And I, like I said, I've mentioned it here and there, but I really want to go through all of the things that a distiller is most likely going to look at when they're making a whiskey. Um, not necessarily in the amount of depth that I think you would be able to, you know, put together a, a perfect whiskey or even I would be able to, I take, uh, make no mistake. I do not believe I could put together a, a good whiskey without anything other than luck. Um, but I want to do it for the reason that it will help people appreciate, I think, um, all that goes into making whiskey and all that is normally considered by a distiller. Um, it's not just a matter of throwing together the ingredients. These distillers are actually looking at a lot of stuff. And so for that reason, um, I wanted to outline a lot of the things that they look at. And then also that will help you to see when you're looking at a whiskey, you can start to learn more about it by knowing all of these things and knowing, you know, what type of a mash bill it has. And then also some, some more specific stuff than just mash bills that we're going to get into a little bit. But once again, I don't intend to cover it enough that um, I think you'll be able to pick out the right yeast for a whiskey. I do not know enough about whiskey to be able to do that myself. 
So uh, I mainly want you to know what are the dials that the distillers are turning uh, in order to change these flavors and, and things. And I think it's pretty cool. And I think it really shows that this is not just an activity for people who like to get drunk. This, I mean, especially the distilling side of it is an art form. I mean, there is so much that goes into this and maybe didn't start off that way, but it certainly has become an art form. So uh, that's kind of what we're getting into today. Like I said, I'm going to try to keep it to a reasonable time, but we'll just see how it goes. Um, and one thing I also want to mention, I'm going to mention some of the different flavors that can come from each of these options. But I want to make very, very clear that each each factor, each dial that we're going to talk about um, could produce crazy different flavors. They, they are so many different types of each thing. For example, let's just say barley. Um, there's so many different types of barley that I could say, well, barley usually brings you these flavors, which is what I'm going to do. Um, but barley could also bring you a lot of other flavors, too. I'm just picking the most common based on what I read online and what people seem to agree about and then also my own experience drinking these whiskeys. So without further ado, let's get into it. And the first and probably the most important, the one you've definitely heard me talk the most about on the podcast is the mash bill. Whiskey is made out of cereals. Um, and if you don't know that already, you could probably have heard that in earlier episodes, but let's just say that you don't know that already. Whiskey is made up of cereals, which are like grains. Um, the most common are malted barley, unmalted barley, and I'm putting those separately, but they are both barley. Corn, wheat, and rye. And those are the most common cereals that people are going to use to make whiskey. Cereals are the the bare bones. They're the bare ingredients of the whiskey. So obviously they're going to have a huge impact on the flavor. Now, malted barley is probably the most common across all categories of whiskey. Malted barley is going to be present in a lot of different whiskeys, most specifically Scotch and Irish. Um, single malt Scotch whiskey, that is the ingredient, is malted barley. Now, if you're not sure what malted means, that's okay. Basically, it just means that they wet down the barley and they get it to sprout. They trick it into like wanting to grow, and then they stop it from sprouting by drying it out. And what that is going to do is going to take the starches that are in the barley and allow it to become sugar and be the, and then be fermented because yeast has a really hard time fermenting unmalted things. Uh, it needs enzymes in it to help it do that. And it can be done. I don't want to mistake you that it can be done, but it's much easier to malt it and then the yeast can attack it and break it down. I don't know all the specific science about that, but that's the gist of it. So malted barley is really common, um, and it's it's going to have like a sweet, toffee-like, caramely taste to it. You're going to get that a lot in single malt scotches. They're going to have that kind of a sweetness. Sometimes I'll get spiciness, not in terms of like a rye spiciness that we're about to talk about, but more like like a clove almost. Um, but the, the most common notes, especially agreed upon online, are sweet, toffee-like, caramely, those sorts of things. And then you have unmalted barley, which you would think would be basically the same, but it's actually not. And that unmalted barley, when you put that in your mash recipe, is going to have more of a barley-like flavor. You see these a lot in pot still whiskeys in Ireland. So a single pot still whiskey, they actually need to have a certain portion of it needs to be unmalted barley. And so that's going to give it more of like a grassy, spicy flavor, um, almost like, like the cereal type taste that you would expect. Um, and sometimes I've even gotten like a buttery granola from it. You get that a lot in Irish whiskeys in general. And so the 
most common, like I said, the most common whiskey you're going to see this in is going to be a pot still Irish whiskey. Another thing that I should mention, especially about barley, but this applies to all of these cereals, is that they all have so many different variations and strains. So like one barley is not just all barleys are going to taste like that. There are a ton of different strains. You can look them up. There's actually certain ones that are like qualified to be certain types of whiskey, and it's pretty interesting, but another factor that goes way into it. So your distiller is not just picking malted barley or unmalted barley or corn or wheat or rye. They're also picking the type of barley, corn, wheat, or rye. So it's very interesting, and there's, like I said, tons of different types and uh, specific types that are used for whiskey as well. But moving on to corn, which is America's favorite, is what I have titled corn. Um, It's America's favorite because corn has to be at least 51% of a bourbon's mash recipe. So a bourbon has to have a majority of it be corn. And corn at first, when it just comes out of the still, if you've ever tasted moonshine, then you might know this. Um, Corn at first just tastes like corn. And that sounds weird, right? Like whiskey tasting like corn. But once you try it, you'll be like, oh, that kind of does just taste like corn. And as it ages, those where the real magic happens in a bourbon. So as corn ages, the corn flavor kind of fades or as the whiskey with corn in it, not just like the actual corn, but as the whiskey with the corn in it ages, the corn flavor kind of fades and then it becomes this general sweetness. And I actually read a couple of sources online that said that they don't think the corn actually does bring that sweetness. They think the corn has little to no flavor. It produces the alcohol, and then the barrel sweetness is what's coming through. It's neither here nor there, really. What's important to know is that the corn in the whiskey is going to make the whiskey end up tasting sweeter as it ages. Uh, Whether that comes from the corn or not, I don't know. I'll leave that to the experts. But a corn whiskey is typically going to have that general sweetness of bourbon. Uh, And you can definitely taste that. You can taste that difference between a bourbon or a Scotch or Irish, uh, like right away if you taste them side by side. You'll know. So it does have that general sweetness. And then, it, uh, like I said, it's going to just kind of fade as it ages and it's going to work with that barrel and create a bit of sweetness the next that i have is wheat this is more sweetness uh, but it's more like the bakery notes that i talk about a lot on the show Uh, so that you can think of like wheat and bread like wheat is going to taste like wheat actually (laughs) and then it also is going to have like a bready kind of taste to it like a vanilla or a honey those sorts of flavors that i when i mention you know this this bourbon smells like i'm walking into a bakery a lot of times that's a bourbon with a lot of wheat in the recipe like a wheated bourbon And that's a very pleasant flavor to have in bourbon, by the way. And so that's a common way that you'll have wheat in your whiskey is it will be a wheated bourbon. Now, I do know um, Woodford Reserve, I believe, just or not just came out with, but has a a wheat whiskey. So it's like the majority of the whiskey is wheat. I have never had it. Um, I'd be interested to try it without a doubt. But uh, I think that's pretty interesting. I'd be interested to see if wheat can be the leading lady in the whiskey. I'm not sure if it could. I know it's a good flavoring cereal, so it adds just a little bit of flavor, but I'd be interested to see how it acts as the leading lady in the whiskey. Uh, But that's what you can expect from wheat. And then the last one I have is rye. And I labeled rye, I gave each of these like a little subtitle, and I labeled rye the mustard of cereals. And that's not because it tastes like mustard. 
I labeled it the mustard of cereals because rye whiskey or rye in your whiskey is a lot like mustard in that you either love it or you hate it because it's one of those strong pungent flavors. The first step into a rye is a high rye bourbon. You know, you can have a bourbon that has that sweetness from the corn and then have the next highest ingredient be a rye and you can get some of that spiciness that rye is going to bring. But there are just rye whiskeys. These are really common in Canada and also in the United States. And they simply put, rye adds spiciness. Uh, it's going to add spiciness like a cinnamon or like a black pepper, sometimes all kinds of different like spices, like cooking spices or bakery spices. It just depends on how they interact. And it's a very interesting flavor. Once again, people love it or hate it because it adds a little bit of heat. It adds a little bit of heat, but it also adds a little bit of complexity. Uh, so it can be a lot of fun. You can also make old fashions with them to kind of sweeten it up a little bit. Uh, it's a lot of fun to try different rye whiskeys, but it's one of those things that definitely in the beginning, most people don't like it. And it's kind of an acquired taste unless you're the type of person that goes after that, that little bit of harshness, a little bit of spiciness. That sort of a thing in your whiskey. Now, you can add others. There are other cereals out there, but these are definitely the most common, so I wanted to stick to those for this episode. So that's the mash bill. Those are all the things you can find in it in general. It looks like I'm making decent time, so that's good. But what, like I said, I might do episodes later on with more in-depth about each of these. I think it's really cool to learn about, and it definitely gives you an appreciation for the art piece that you're basically drinking. So the next item that I have on the list is one that I don't really talk about often, and that's why I wanted to take a minute to talk about it. I also know the least about it, so if I were to create a whiskey, I would need to research this a ton, and that is the yeast. Um, believe it or not, the yeast does have a pretty significant impact on the flavor. Uh, yeast is the thing that's going to take your mash that you create with all of those cereals, and it's going to turn the sugars into alcohol, and when it's done doing that, it's not going to be as strong as a whiskey. It's going to be like a, the strength of like a wine, and then you distill it, and that's when it becomes whiskey, but the yeast plays a really important role. It's what's taking all those ingredients and then making them into alcohol. It's not alcohol prior to the yeast. And so it's important because different yeasts are going to do this in different ways and then also at different rates. Uh, sometimes you can have a mash bill, you know, take two days to ferment entirely and be done fermenting, or it can take weeks. It just depends. But the yeast is going to play a huge role because it's turning all of these sugars into the alcohol. Now, I'm not going to get into the science of it, but what you need to know is that there are all kinds of different yeasts, and some distilleries uh, place a little bit more emphasis on this than others do, but the yeast to some distilleries is really important. And so you want to know that People actually spend time finding the right yeast, which is really interesting, but they're going to do different things chemically, and it's going to change the way that that whiskey tastes. So moral of that story is yeast is important, and the fact that people pay attention to that is very impressive and just goes to show what people are putting into uh, this whiskey. The next category that can really change your flavor as well 
and you can see this really strongly sometimes, is the still that they're going to use to distill it. Uh, the still, for those of you who don't know, is the thing that is doing the distilling. It's where you're basically heating up all your whiskey, boiling it, it becomes vapor, and then you're condensing that vapor down, and it gets way, way, way stronger. Same way you would distill water, actually. Uh, but it's a little bit more important when you're doing it for whiskey because the still can have a pretty heavy impact on the flavor. You can taste this quite a bit if you try something that is made in a column still next to something that's made in a pot still. So those are the two main types of stills, and there's a lot more to it than just that. But the two main types of stills, you have a column still where the whiskey basically goes straight up a large column, and then you have a pot still, which it looks more like it has almost like a Hershey Kiss top on it, where it goes up into like a, a specific point, and then it comes over and down like real curly. I probably did a bad job of describing the geometry of it, but you can look up photos of these things online as well. And you'll see that they look pretty different, and they're going to give you two pretty different flavors. The column still usually is going to be stronger, and it's going to strip more flavor. So the actual alcohol, I should say, is going to be stronger, but it's going to strip more flavor out of it. The pot still, the alcohol is going to be a little bit weaker, but it's also going to allow for more of the flavor to come through in the whiskey. Now, there are other things that affect it as well. You've also got the batch size of the still, like how much whiskey can you put in the still at once? How much mash can you put in the still at once? There's also the height, and some distilleries uh, place a large emphasis on the height of the still as well. They There's one, uh, I think it might be Glen Morangy, but I don't remember, uh, that says you know their stills are really tall, and they say that is because they only want the best vapors to rise all the way to the top, or like the lightest vapor to rise all the way up to the top and make it out of the still. So the, the height of the still and also the width and, and the shape of the transition up through the height are all things that sometimes get taken into account. I don't want to say sometimes. I probably want to say most of the time get taken into account when people are creating a new whiskey. So those are all things that you wouldn't even think about, which is why I think it's so cool. Now, there are also internal things that can go inside of the still. Um, there are things called like reflux areas. There are a lot of internal things, different things that can be done for stills, a lot of which I don't even understand the functioning of entirely. Uh, but we could easily have a whole episode on stills because of that. I mean, they are the machine that's creating the whiskey, if you want to think about it that simply. And so the way that the, the still works is definitely going to have an impact on what the whiskey is going to taste like when it comes out of the still. Another thing that can affect the flavor, I mentioned malted barley versus unmalted barley. The malting process, this is just a quick one because it's not quite as huge, but there is a malting process to malt the barley and there are different ways of doing it. And the biggest thing that I would say about this is the way that they dry it out can have an impact because uh, once upon a time, people thought maybe if we burn this moss underneath our barley, we can dry it out. And that is where peated scotch came from because they used peat moss and they burnt it underneath the barley as it was drying and it actually gave it that peated flavor that peated scotches have. So uh, another thing that you need to know is even the malting process, as small as it sounds, can have an impact on what the whiskey is going to taste like. Um, so just another thing that people are looking at when they're looking to create a whiskey. The next thing, and this is another one of the really big ones like the mash bill, is the aging process. And I've broken this into aging and finishing, even though sometimes it's only one barrel. Um, and a lot of times it's only one barrel, but also a lot of times they will transfer through different barrels and casks. So I broke it into aging and finishing. Aging. 
the size and type of barrel that you're going to put your whiskey in and leave it to sit is going to have an impact on it. Not just how long it's aged for, but also the size of the barrel, the type of the barrel. And I say barrel because in America, a lot of times we say barrel, um, but there are also casks and all sorts of things like that. But usually for bourbons, it's a barrel. Um, casks, uh, I think there's some called butts. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> um, there are all sorts of things that look like different sizes of barrel. And basically, I just call them all barrels. But the size of the barrel and the type of the barrel is going to have an impact. And the size can vary greatly, very greatly. Um, so that's an important impact that that could have on it as well, because you're going to have a different amount of, of volume to surface area uh, ratio there. So volume of whiskey to surface area of the inside of the barrel. So you might get more or less interaction with the barrel, depending on the size of it. There's also new or used barrels, which I'm going to cover a little bit more in the finishing section. And then there's also the char level of the barrels, how much the barrel was charred uh, before putting the whiskey in it because they do char their barrels. So that is probably going to get covered under this section, which is finishing. Now, finishing... I broke it off because if you take it out of the first barrel, sometimes you will finish it in a second barrel for like less time. And so you'll age it for a certain amount of time. And that's where they consider it getting most of its characteristics. And then you finish it to give it like a, a, a finish or a flavor. Um, and so you can use all kinds of different barrels for that. Now, finished bourbons, I want to take a moment to mention, are a new thing that's kind of arising in America. And what that means is you take a bourbon, something that was created as a bourbon, and then finish it in a barrel. And once you do that, it's no longer a bourbon. And they're starting to call it finished bourbons. Uh, and why is it no longer a bourbon? Is because bourbons have to be aged only in brand new charred white oak barrels. That's how you make a bourbon. You finish it just in a brand new charred white oak barrel. You do it for as long as you want want. Uh, but if you put it in a different barrel, then the substance that comes out the other side is no longer a bourbon. So you'll see this often. A great example is Angel's Envy, uh, one of the most popular finished bourbons and one of my favorites. I absolutely love it. And it is a, they, they put on the bottle a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey finished in port wine barrels. They put it right there on the bottle. Um, and that's because they can't just call it a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey anymore because it's no longer. It was aged in something that's not a brand new white oak barrel. Now, the reason I mentioned that is because it's becoming popular and that ex accentuates how important finishing can be. And then also finishing is really popular in Ireland and Scotland. It's nothing new to Irish whiskeys and Scotch whiskeys and, and the other categories of whiskey as well. So you can use more than one barrel. Uh, you can use barrels that previously held other spirits or wines, and that's where you're going to get different types of quote-unquote finishes. Now, a uh, common finish would just be a wood finish, so just finishing it in a barrel, that it's going to give it a woody flavor. But there are other finishes that I think are a little bit more intuitive for what they mean, and those are the mo most common being a sherry finish, a wine finish, a bourbon finish, or a rum finish. And what that would mean is you took a barrel that used to to have that in it and you age it in that so like a bourbon finish would be a lot of times uh, scotches and irish will take used bourbon barrels and they will age their whiskey in the you in the barrel that used to have bourbon in it and that's going to give it more flavors as well 
wine barrels and sherry barrels, even rum barrels, they're all going to give their own types of flavor. And it's all uh, another dial that has a pretty huge impact when you turn it. Uh, when you turn that dial, you're going to get some pretty drastic changes in the flavor. You can see that immediately if you try Angel's Envy next to most other bourbons. It has a very strong uh, flavor that it gets from those wine barrels. It's one of my favorite things about Angel's Envy. It gives it a unique flavor. And I really enjoy that, actually. So finishing is a fun one, especially for the person getting into tasting whiskey, trying to decipher what the different finishes are going to impact or how they're going to impact the whiskey and what they're going to taste like. That's a fun one to go through, just like the mash bill is. It might be a little bit harder to see how the still is going to impact it or how the yeast is going to impact it. You can't really try two whiskeys that were just made with different yeasts side by side um, and see how that yeast is going to impact it. But it's a lot easier to do that with finishes, especially because a lot of scotch uh, uh, manufacturers will produce like very similar scotches that have different finishes on them. So that's a really fun one to try. And it's fun to try normal bourbons <clears throat> next to finished bourbons as well. So that is probably one of the biggest things that's going to have an impact on the flavor. And then another thing that's going to have a huge impact on the experience is bottling. And that's just what I call this category is bottling. And what I mean by that is typically the majority of the time, I would say your whiskey is going to be diluted with water and then it's going to be bottled and that's going to take it down usually to like 80 proof. That's like the most common. And they can use different types of water to do that as well, I should add. So that's another thing that they take into consideration. Uh, but there are also things called barrel strength and cask strength. You've probably heard of that. And that is going to make it significantly stronger, and it's going to change your experience a lot. Typically, barrel and cask strength are going to be stronger, and they're also going to that strength is going to give them more complex flavors. So they're going to have that alcohol strength to them. Uh, but they're also going to have more complex, sometimes stronger flavors. And those flavors are going to interact differently because of the added amount of alcohol. So you're going to get a different experience from that definitely as well. So that's another, uh, I just call it the bottling in general, like what they do between barrel and bottle is going to have an impact on your experience as well. And those are all of the main things that I wanted to talk about because those are all of the things that are pretty much present every single time. Every single time they go to create a whiskey, these are all things that are most likely going to be considered. Then there are other two other things that I really want to talk about. Um, there are plenty of other things that you could do to a whiskey. Uh, but the two that I want to talk about that sometimes are present are the first one being the most obvious, flavoring. Uh, you can add artificial or natural flavors to a whiskey and it will no longer be like the base whiskey. And what I mean by that is like you can have a bourbon that is then flavored and it's no longer a bourbon. You can't add flavoring to a bourbon. Uh, and that's going to make it just a considered like a flavored whiskey most of the time. And a lot of times, especially uh, with bourbons in America or uh, Canadian whiskey, sorry, uh, that's going to end up making it less than 80 proof. I've noticed a lot of the time, and I think that's because they want to make it more of an easy drinker. It's typically not for the you know whiskey enthusiast who's drinking like straight whiskey to do tastings because that flavor is going to totally dominate whatever you're going to taste in that whiskey. 
And then the other thing that's significantly more subtle but can have an impact is filtering your whiskey. Um, this is really common in America for sure. A lot of bourbons will do a charcoal filtering. And then Tennessee whiskeys, it's actually a requirement for all Tennessee whiskeys except for uh, one, which I forget the name of. But you can hear about it in the American whiskey episode that I did. A requirement for Tennessee whiskey is that you have to charcoal filter uh, your whiskey through, I believe it's charred maple. Um, that's called the Lincoln County process. And it's actually really common. You can do this as well. Like I said, bourbons do this. And it's one of those topics that's sometimes argued because some people say it's adding flavor to the bourbon. And so it's still up for debate whether or not that leaves it a bourbon or not. But I believe right now you're allowed to advertise as a bourbon. If I'm not mistaken, Jim Beam actually does it. And I know for sure Jack Daniels does because they're a Tennessee whiskey. Uh, so that's just another thing that's going to have a small tweak on the flavor. They say that it doesn't add a lot of flavor, but that it does make the whiskey smoother by filtering it through that charcoal. So I think that one's pretty interesting because it's not something that you would think about, but it does in the end have an impact on the flavor. Now that's all of the things that I had that I wanted to go through and I did want to keep it a little bit short so I didn't put anybody to sleep, but hopefully that gives you guys enough to interest you and make you want to look into these things. Like I mentioned, you the easiest thing to do, the easiest uh, factors from this episode to compare are the mash bill and the finishing. And I highly recommend you get into that a little bit because that's a lot of fun to see how different finishes will give it different flavors and also which mash bill you like, which is especially important in bourbons because bourbons have the highest, I I would say, variety of mash bill, Uh, whereas in Ireland and Scotland, it's mostly barley. Um, But bourbons and Canadians um, also tend to have uh, highly varying mash bills. So you can try a high rye bourbon and a weeded bourbon. And they're both going to taste like bourbon. Like when you taste them, you're like, oh, this tastes like bourbon. But they're going to taste pretty different as well. The added things in it, the things in it that are not corn are going to give it totally different flavors. And that's why they're called flavoring cereals when they're used in bourbons like that. So I highly recommend you try that. And also barley will be present in bourbons as well. And see what you think about the different types of flavors. And you can really experiment with the mash bills. Try a single pot still next to a single malt because those are going to have two different flavors. One has unmalted barley in it. The other one doesn't. And try things like that because I think that really makes this hobby a lot more fun. Now, if you are following with dry January, then don't try those this month. (laughs) But you can plan to try them uh, here in February when we get back to trying our different whiskeys and enjoying the hobby. So hopefully that gives you a new appreciation for whiskey and the art form that it truly is to create it. And these are all things that somebody who is a professional taster, who that's what they do, those are all things that they're going to consider very heavily. Um, I consider myself, you know, just a hobbyist. I enjoy the hobby of drinking whiskey. I don't take myself too awfully seriously when I do my tastings. I just like to enjoy it, see how it tastes, um, pull out the flavor notes, things like that. So it's not something that I ever have had to really heavily consider, but it's something that's a lot of fun to consider, uh, the different things that were taken into account when you were trying a whiskey. And as I mentioned in the beginning, it's just another thing that that shows this isn't just a hobby of drinking alcohol because you get that a lot of the times. And I think that's a growing 
criticism of drinking whiskey is that it's, you know, just alcoholics disguising their alcoholism as something fancy. And I really want to break that, uh, especially amongst the people who listen to this podcast and interact with the TikTok, because that's not what it's about. And I hope it's not about alcoholism for any of you listeners out there. Um, I hope it's more about appreciating this art form that is whiskey. But that is all that I had for the episode today. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoy trying to taste the differences in these things moving forward. But that's all that I've got. So I will leave you with the number one rule. And that is learn to drink and always drink to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, It only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol